Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Rootspace Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcome, whether on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook, Pre-Arb Excellence Group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Monopoly Wishes and ultimate evils, and ask me questions if I was confusing. Today I might be. Um, Monopoly. You ever played the game Monopoly? I used to love playing the game Monopoly. I would play Monopoly Solitaire. I would do some rudimentary rudimentary uh, checking to see which of the properties were doing best for me. How much did I spend on stuff on St. Charles Avenue? And how much did I get back? And some of you are thinking, you probably had a really fascinating life growing up. And it's like, yeah, uh, I tended to be alone a lot. Um, but Monopoly. In case you are not familiar with Monopoly, it's a board game, 40 squares, and the large and short of it is the players in the game wish to acquire property, build houses and hotels, and bankrupt their best friends and family members. Sounds cheerful, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, that, that's basically what it is. It's a, it's a fantastic home record game because, you know, basically, if you win, the people that you were playing against all went bankrupt. And when you get to the point where even if you're being fake bankrupt, that's generally not a good thing, you know? It's, uh, maybe if I, it, perhaps, maybe I should sell this. I lose. I, I, I'm done. I, uh, here you Take all my property. I'm finished. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a home record game. It's very much of a home record game. Losing in Monopoly can be very frustrating. But let's just imagine someone is saying, what is the ultimate goal in Monopoly? Again, the goal is you want to acquire property, build houses and hotels, and bankrupt your friends and family. So if you are saying that's the goal, you have some spaces that are property-related. Uh, you have utilities, railroads, waterworks, the electric company, and a whole lot of actual properties that you can build houses and other things on. So now let's just imagine, what are you looking for as a player? What is the thing that you are looking for as you are starting, like your first, I don't know, what, 8, 10 rolls in Monopoly? Because the game at the start something that you might have happen to you at the start might be a good thing, 
But if it were to happen <laughs> two and a half hours later, yes, it's a really fast game. Um, it might be a bad thing. So what are things, how can you put into a sentence, what are things that would really be useful early on in Monopoly? And, you know, there's a number of different, oh, the things that would help you win. Well, can't really argue that. Um, if you roll doubles, you get to roll again. Early on, that would be a kind of a good thing, wouldn't it? Because if you roll again, you, you land on one of those uh, little blue, uh, light blue things early on. Oh, is it Oriental and, uh, Oriental and Connecticut and... The Vermont, I think it's Vermont. If you end up getting, if you roll a double, you get a property. You buy the property, and since you rolled a double, you roll again. Then you roll again, and you land on something else. You buy that, and hey, until you roll the third uh, consecutive double, hard six, hard eight, hard ten. Um, so yeah, doubles are generally really good early on but what you want to figure out when you're trying to figure out what is it that i actually want starting a monopoly game you want to figure out what's the ultimate evil what is the thing that you don't want to happen what you don't want to happen when you are in acquire all of the property spaces that you can mode. What you don't want to have happen at that point in the game is landing on community chest and chance, which are the cards that you draw. Some of the cards are useful. Some of the cards are bad. Some of them say go to jail. Some of them say get out of jail. Some of them say you have won $10 in a beauty contest, or whatever. The reality is, those chance cards that are adding to you $10, $50, $20, $100, or costing you the same, those squares, those specific cards, early on, they aren't very useful. They aren't very useful. So how I would phrase it, if I am trying to state early on, first, I don't know, what? Six, eight dice roll? First six, eight dice roll, something like that. What I would want is preferably double so I can roll again. That seems reasonable. Uh, you know, it's not, oh my goodness, I'm not going to have any opportunity to win if I don't only roll doubles. No, I didn't say that. But if I had my druthers, I would rather, yeah, I, I, if I end up getting to roll twice or a third time when I'm trying to acquire all the property on the board, that's probably a good thing. So doubles are probably, generally, a good thing early on. Um, landing on those chance cards, those community chest cards that really don't help me add any property, those are kind of the ultimate evil. 
that or else landing on something that somebody else already owns. The ultimate evil is landing on something that somebody else already owns, so I'm giving my money to somebody else on their property. And not only that, I'm not getting a chance to obtain property for myself. So if I were to phrase, what is the ultimate evil early on in the Monopoly game? Landing on other people's property is horrible. Getting those silly chance and community chest cards that don't help me acquire property is horrible. And landing on the spaces like um, just visiting at jail doesn't help. Landing on the go-to-jail space doesn't help. So, you know, basically I want... I want to land on the property sites that I can add property and doubles are fine. Avoid the things that aren't going to help me add property and land on the places that will help me get property, especially if I roll doubles. That's basically what I'm looking for. The first, you know, eight or 10 rolls. And about three minutes ago, some of you started thinking, what the heck does this have to do with the Cubs minor league pipeline? Actually, there's a, there's a pivot. There's a pivot. As much as you might not think there is a pivot, there is a pivot. Quite a few people are coming out with prospect lists looking forward to the minor league season. I'm not doing lists. I'm not doing lists. There's a reason for it. I'll probably get to it eventually. Um... But sometimes these lists end up being who will be the Cubs starting lineup in 2025. That's a really popular kind of a list. Really popular kind of a list. Now, do, are, are you going to put Triantos at second or are you going to put him at third? Where's Reggie Preciado going to end up? Will Cristian Hernandez be the guy? Will Kevin Made be included? And, you know, you, you, you just dream crazy. You dream crazy. I'm going to put Owen Casey here. I'm going to put Kevin Alcantara there. I'm going to put this. I'm going to have Jordan Wicks as my second starter. I'm going to have Caleb Killian here in the rotation, etc., etc. And they're kind of fun. The lists are kind of fun. Um, because it is looking forward to the future. It is supporting the prospects. It is, you know, all, all that kind of stuff thrown in. It's, it, it's good. It's all cool. However, in reality, what's going to happen once 2025 rolls around, 2024, 2025, when the Cubs do start to switch from prospect accumulation to... Winning games, winning games, nailing down playoff spots. Some of the players in the pipeline will no longer be around. Some of the players in the pipeline will no longer be around. Some of them will no longer be around because they didn't end up cutting it. They didn't adjust. They didn't figure out double A pitching or they didn't figure out high A pitching 
or they couldn't get out hitters at low A, or they, you know, it, they, maybe they got hurt. They ju- it just didn't work for them. Then some players will not be on the roster because, much like Eloy Jimenez and Gleyber Torres, other teams poach them. So perhaps maybe a James Triantos or someone else ends up not with the Cubs, but he ends up with another team doing whatever it is he's going to eventually do with that team because the Cubs decided, you know what, we're going to have to make a trade because we want to bring in this other guy who's going to help us win and it's going to be necessary for us to trade some of the prospects to get the players so that we will win. Teams will not have their top 25 or their top 30. Yeah, their top 30 guys on their major league roster for a complete season. Yes, all of these players were drafted out of our pipeline, either drafted or signed internationally or whatever. They are all local talents. Every single one of them, every single one of them hit, every single one of them nailed it, and every single one of them turned into a direct key piece for a very successful team. I'm looking, as looking at the um, names in the Pittsburgh Pirates pipeline recently, Pittsburgh Pirates have a very good pipeline, very good pipeline, very good, very deep. They have pitching, they have hitting have a whole bunch of different stuff. Their pipeline is largely um, less laughable than their major league roster for various number of reasons. So yeah, the Pirates, um, not necessarily elite at the major league level. Their pipeline is certainly top five. Certainly top five prospect-wise, probably higher than five but certainly top five, and the Pirates' pipeline is better than the Cubs' pipeline. No problem saying that. Um, the Pirates, I, I don't think all of the Pirates' players that will be on the 2026 roster for Pittsburgh will all be from the Pittsburgh Pirates' pipeline of now. Some players may hold over from the current roster, or some players may be acquired in trade. Some people may be acquired as free agents, whatever. No matter how good, no matter how bad a team's pipeline is, it is highly unlikely that every single one of them will cash, reach the AA, the AAA, and the major league level with the team and continue on, especially if that team is going to be any good. It just doesn't work that way. Players won't all develop, and we can't tell by looking at their low A stats. This guy is definitely going to make it because look at his low A stats. No, that doesn't necessarily work because sometimes eventually players wash out irrespective of which whichever level they're in. You know, people might want to say, well, Caleb Killian is going to be an amazing pitcher at the major league level because eh, maybe yes, maybe no. 
you can have percentages of how's he going to do. But uh, anyone who thinks that they can completely outthink the system is probably a bit off. And now maybe you're thinking, why were you talking about the game Monopoly? Remember how I said in Monopoly, it would be really nice if I would get double, double, single. So let, let, let's say I go 12, 12, 7. Then, then, so that, that ends up putting me at the first one on the, uh, the green. What is that? Pacific Avenue? I think it's Pacific Avenue. Then the next roll, if I get a 4-4, I'm on boardwalk. That would be cool. Then, uh, you know, if you have everything working out ideally, then yeah, that's really useful. But everything's not going to work out ideally in any one certain situation. Like, what happens if somebody says, hey, I would really like for a specific Cubs hitter to have 43 hits in a row. 43 hits in a row. You know, in, in, a, in a series. You know, a series over a couple series, whatever. 43 hits in a row. One person would probably say, well, that's not going to happen. It's never happened in Major League history. There's no reason to expect that it would... So what, are you saying you don't want a Cubs player to have 43 hits in a row? Well, no, it'd be kind of nice, but it'll never happen. So, so, and then somebody else butts in and says, why do you only want one? I, I'd like to have like six or seven Cubs having 43 hits in a row. At some point, reality kicks in. At some point, reality kicks in. And when we have our lists... It would be fantastic if all of these players pan out, are all-star level, and are all-star level without having been traded. Wouldn't that be amazing? Cubs having like seven, eight, nine guys in their pipeline who through the first seven or eight or nine years of their career all play out to be first ballot Hall of Fame type players? Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, yeah, it would be. It's highly unlikely to happen. But, yeah, it'd be amazing. As would, you know, three, four guys each having 43 hits in a row. That'd be... But why, why are they stopping at 43? They should be bold. One of them should go to 75 hits in a row. At some point, realism steps in. At some point, realism steps in. It would be really nice if all these things happened. In reality, they're probably not going to happen. So at some point, you start to question, what is the ultimate evil that you wish to avoid? Since you're not going to have, here's this list of seven players. All of these seven players are going to have better than expected returns for their entire careers. Because I want them to be, or possibly they might. At some point, for me, much like with Monopoly, what is it, what is it, what is it that I'm trying to avoid 
And what is it that I'm trying to realistically hope for? What is it that a Cubs fan ought to be, I hope, that doesn't happen? And something else which is kind of reasonable, yeah, I kind of hope that does happen. What is the thing that is realistic, that is reasonable, that is, yeah, I can kind of get on board with that. And what is the thing that, yikes, that'd be horrible. Keep away from that. Because you know, you know, Reggie Preciado is not going to have 75 hits in a row. Well, how many of them are home runs? Is it just 68 of them? Or, you know, does he have 72 home runs? No, 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 no. Realistically, realistically, you have a list of players. 6, 8, 14, 30, 45, however, however big of a list. Some of these players, how good you think they are now, how good you think they might eventually realistically be, these players will never be that highly thought of again into the future. You get that picture. Hey, he's going to... But then in a couple years, he's not thought of like that anymore. You get the hitter. Hey, maybe he's going to... A couple years, he's not thought of like that anymore. What are the things that realistically, reasonably, you ought to be, let's try to land on the unpurchased property spaces early so we can get those and possibly once in a while get doubles, roll again, and get a second property. What are the things that this is reasonable, this is possible? It's not necessarily going to happen every time. But what is a reasonable goal regarding prospects? And what is that thing that you wish to avoid when it comes to prospects? Again, it's completely different from, I have this list of 30 guys and they're all going to be in Wrigley and they're all going to maximize all of their abilities and everybody is going to be completely covetous of the Cubs because of... What is it specifically, if you can put it into a sentence, what is it specifically the Cubs should be wanting to have happen and what is it that they should want be wanting to avoid? Now, there's a number of different ways of looking at what should be happening, what should Cubs fans want to happen. Um, and a whole bunch of it is entirely out of your control, out of my control, out of the player's control. But things can possibly be done to increase the likelihood of positive results. And there are some things that can be done to increase the likelihood of negative results. What are those things? Players got to stay healthy. 
Players got to stay healthy. If a player is not healthy, ahem, ahem, Miguel Amaya, ahem, they can't get better. If a player can't stay healthy, they can't get better. One of the things outfielders, catchers, pitchers, infielders, designated hitters, whatever. One thing that is an ultimate evil in baseball is injuries, especially extended injuries. Extended injuries that this guy's season's done. His career might be done. That's the kind of thing you want to avoid. That's the kind of thing you want to avoid. That was one of the frustrating things about 2021, the Cubs pipeline. So many pitchers who so many people were looking forward to, Cole Franklin, Michael McAveen, a whole bunch of others, Raylan Marquez, they didn't pitch. They didn't pitch. They didn't pitch at all. They didn't pitch much. They didn't pitch. They didn't get better. That's something that you can say you want to have players stay healthy. Whether a player is going to turn out to be as good as you hope or not, that's in the player's hands, that's how well other teams adjust to his abilities, blah, 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 whatever. But you want him to stay healthy. If he stays healthy, he stays healthy, he goes to, you know, he has the coaching, he has the support, he has the on-field support, he has the off-field support, he does his weightlifting, he stays um, he stays hydrated, he does all the things he has to do, and it turns out he's just not good enough? Hey, all right. I, 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 I'm okay with that. I'm not going to bust out a player because once he hit the advanced day level, the other guys were better than he was. I'm not going to rip on a guy for that. A lot of people like to, oh man, he was a failure. He was a bust because I wanted him to do this, but he wasn't good enough to do that. So that makes him a bust. Well, that's the way you're going to put it. Okay. Um, to me, it's more along the lines of other players were better than he was. Now, if it was a case of he wasn't doing his work, he wasn't doing batting practice, he wasn't taking fielding practice, he could have actually been really good, but he didn't try hard enough to be successful. Or he had some um, issues. He had some. He kept getting suspended because he was causing trouble. Um, let's see, uh, went out during the season and was committing crimes. Oh yeah, you can get real mad at that. I have no problem with that. But if it is a case of, well, I was kind of hoping this guy might make the major leagues, but it turned out once everything played out, he was only good enough to be successful at the advanced A level, and when he got to the double A level, he just wasn't good enough. Well, I, I'm not going to complain about that. He did the best that he could. 
He developed as best as he could. He got to the double-A level, and as quite often happens, double-A level was better than he was. I'm good with that. So many people want to rip on a player that they had interest in, that they were supporting, that they were defending on the way up, but they get to a certain level, and the other players get better than him, and that long-lasting support completely disappears because the other guys are better than he is. Interesting reason to stop supporting a person. (laughs) If a player just really isn't that good, he gave it all he had, he tried as hard as he could, but when it got to a certain level, the other guys were better than he was, Okay, maybe I mistook some of his early numbers for something that would blossom into something bigger, and I was wrong. It happened plenty of times. Yeah, I thought this guy, uh, but Tyler Scalina would do better. The Tyler Scalina didn't make it to the major leagues isn't on Tyler Scalina that I thought Tyler Scalina might make it to the major leagues is on me. Tyler Scalina did what he could do. My expectations of Tyler Scalina were wrong. I thought he was better than he was. That's not Tyler Scalina's fault. That is me being wrong. Players are going to develop if they get to play And if they develop as better than the level they're currently at, then they will get a chance at the next level. What are the ultimate evils? First, you want to have players stay healthy. If you want to have players stay healthy, if there are severe injuries, that is the ultimate evil. That is the ultimate evil like Hey, I landed on a property. I want to, uh, sorry, uh, you, you owe me $17 or you owe, you owe me $20. Why? I landed on a property. I, want, I already have that property. That's the ultimate evil. When you are in obtain property mode, when you land on somebody else's property and you have to give them money and you're not allowed to use that turn to add property, that's the ultimate evil. Like a catcher being out for three months. Like a pitcher having Tommy John surgery. That's the ultimate evil. The ultimate evil is when a player who wants to get better is no longer able to do that. I'm more into how can teams do things to keep players healthy more often. That's totally looking at it differently than most people are. What can the Chicago Cubs do in their pipeline to keep pitchers and hitters more healthy? What are things that can be done to help keep the players more healthy? Roll with that. You, if the Cubs, if the Cubs can get ahead of the curve on we are going to keep our players more healthy than other teams are, then they will be able to keep their better players on the field 
more often and have a chance to get better more often as opposed to, well, our 14th prospect would be the starting pitcher tonight, but he's out for three months, so he's not going to pitch tonight. Keeping the players healthy, that is landing on the property that you can buy. Player not able to get better because they're injured, that is landing on property that somebody else already owns. Not only do you not get to buy that property, you have to give them money and you've wasted a turn. The ultimate evil is the injury. The ultimate evil is the player not being able to try to get better. You can go with a goal of keeping players healthy, or you can go with the goal of finding ways that will keep the Cubs' prospects more healthy than other teams are having success with. Either or. You can look at it either way. But you see how one of these is a reasonable way of looking at things. And I think all of our prospects are going to hit their maximum ability is I think Frank Schwindel is going to go 34 for 34 over a group of games against the Cardinals and the Brewers. One really isn't going to happen. The other, it could. And if the right people spent the right amount of time looking into sports science, keeping players healthy, one of them could actually be done. The other is just completely impossible. One other angle. Not only keep, keeping players healthy, there's one other angle on getting these players to really, 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 really high heights, avoiding the low lows, and not getting burned on trades. Basically, you know, you, trades are great until you lose one. <laughs> you know, you send a guy who... He's not doing anything for us. We're going to send him and get this other guy back. And Okay, yeah, we're good with this trade. Oh, they got him, and all of a sudden, he's really good. That trade sucked. Well, I don't know if the trade sucked or the team's uh, ability to develop the player wasn't very good. Could be, could be a little of both, I guess. But the goal should probably be, at least to me, having people in the Cubs organization who are better at internal assessments than other teams are. I mentioned Triantos a while back. How good is he actually going to be? How good is James Triantos actually going to be? No, 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 no. Not the hypothetical. Well, he has a, you know, current hit value of whatever on the 20 to 80 scale, and it could eventually be up. No. What is James Triantos actually going to be? Is he going to be a 
regular first division starter for 7 to 11 years. If that's who he's going to be, probably don't want to trade him. Whereas, if he's actually more of a shiny toy, and at some point he's going to get to a level where pitchers are going to start to be able to expose him, and in reality he's going to be more of a fifth or sixth infielder that probably mashes lefties, but has limited defensive value. That's a viable possibility, and it's one that none of us are specifically hoping as a peak for Triantos, but it could happen. To me, when you're, when you're doing the talent-assessing thing, what seems to be the landing on a property before someone else does in Monopoly is internally assessing your own talent properly. Properly. For instance, let's say Caleb Killian ends up being a standard second starter. Okay? Fair? Whatever standard second starter means. Is that he's going to be exactly like Andy Pettit? Or he's going to be exactly like uh, Roy Oswalt? Or, you know, I, I, I don't know what a traditional number two is in your universe. But he's going, if he ends up being a true, honest to goodness, number two starting pitcher. Wouldn't it behoove the Cubs to be the first team to realize Caleb Killian is going to be a number two starter? If he's going to be a number two starter, if the Cubs could realize before anybody else does, Caleb Killian is going to be a major league number two starter, it would seem to be a good thing. If you can nail down this guy is going to be pretty much exactly this good, that would seem to be a positive for the Cubs, regardless how good that player is going to be. Swing it away a little bit differently. What happens if the Cubs realize in 2023 at some point, Caleb Killian is going to become a number four starter? Number four starter, whatever that entails, whatever that means, whatever that means in your universe, Caleb Killian is going to become a number four starter. The Cubs know that. They're confident of it. They have the information, the data to back it up. Caleb Killian is going to become a number four starter. But somebody out there thinks he's going to become a number two starter. If the Cubs have better information 
on their talent than other teams do. And frankly, they should. They're watching these guys play every day. They have all the video. They have all the numbers. They know how they work. They know how they respond to injury. They know how competitive they are. It's not just Caleb Killian. It's not James Triantos. The guys in the pipeline, the Cubs should have active, changing dossiers on all of the prospects. My opinions on the players, highly insignificant. Maybe I maybe my expectations on Parker Shavers are too high or too low. Maybe my expectations on Owen Casey are too high or too low. Maybe my expectations on Luis Devers are too high or too low. None of those matter at all. What does matter are the Cubs good at internally assessing their talent. That is something that they really ought to be good at. You know, if you are, if a Major League Baseball organization is bad at assessing their own talent, they deserve all the bad things that are going to come to them. They deserve all the bad things that are going to come to them because they're going to trade the good players. They're going to trade the players they ought to keep. They're going to keep the players they should have traded. And the guy that they think is going to become a two is going to become a four. And the guy that was supposed to wash out in double A is going to be the guy who is a three-time all-star. If the Cubs can accurately assess internally their talent, then they're in good shape. If they can't accurately assess their own talent, then they're in bad shape. If you accurately assess your talent that is landing on a property that has not been owned, that has not been bought yet, you buy the property and you had doubles, so you roll again and you land on something else and you add something else. You hit twice. That is what you're after. Now the thing is, with the front office, every specific person has a specific role or two. So if you have a specific player or a specific executive, he's not a good pitching coach. He's not a good hitting coach. He's not, oh, let's see. Um, he's not camera friendly. Let's just put it that way. You know, he's, he, he's kind of a, you know, dumpy looking person or whatever. You know, not, not really. Uh, maybe he's kind of a little bit surly once in a while. You don't want to have him ever get interviewed. because. But you know what he can do? He can tell you how good this prospect is going to be. Not everyone is going to have all of the skills, but if you have someone who adds to your 
ability to develop talent, adds to your ability to get talent to the major leagues. Whatever role he's filling, maybe he is a coach. Maybe he is a scout in a certain area of the uh, U.S. and he has really good connections, really good connections, and he can tell you in his region who are the three guys the Cubs ought to be prioritizing. <laughs> you know, just flat out, yeah, 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 I know there are other guys that are better, there are other guys that are going to go sooner, but realistically, all things considered, it starts hitting round eight, round nine, round ten. The Chicago Cubs ought to be looking for these three players in my region. Get one of them, get two of them, get all three of them. They would all be worthwhile. Yeah, that would be useful. If someone can add to the ability of the Cubs to develop talent, assess talent, any of that kind of stuff. That's cool. That's helpful. That's useful. And if there is someone, if there is someone, this is the department that's generally referred to as professional scouting. If there is someone out watching a oh, low A West game, low A West, basically those are a lot of the cities that used to be in the Northwest League, Eugene Emeralds, Giants affiliate. Dodgers have a team out there somewhere. But yeah, you know, it's like, okay, we, go out and watch the game. Goes out and watches the game. Taking notes, taking videos, doing all the stuff. Yeah, I, I, I want to come back and watch again. There's, there's something that, there's something I can't tell you yet. But I got to come out and watch again. So this time, guy goes, goes to watch a game, Stockton Ports against whoever it is. After about three or four days of watching a specific team, that's it. I got it. That third baseman that that one team has, get him. Get him. But we already have Trianto. Da, 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 da. Get him. It's very important to internally assess. It's also very useful to have better information on another team's talent than they do. That is where the Tampa Bay Rays have been gutting, serrating, and filleting the rest of the league the last five or six years. They watch your team play. They tell you. No, no, they don't tell you. They don't tell you. They watch your team play. They head back and they say, trade for this guy. He's not the guy that's on the top. Trade for this guy. Trade for this guy. Because he's the guy that's going to make the difference. When it comes to Looking to the future, you can go with whatever you want. You can go with a list of 40 players that you would like to see on the 40-man roster in 2025. You can go with that. Fine, cool, no problem. Totally down with it. I'll hit like, I'll hit retweet. What we ought to be trying to figure out 
What is the goal? What is the ultimate evil? Ultimate evil, for me, players getting injured, players not being able to play because they are injured. That, to me, is the ultimate evil. How can the Cubs keep their pitchers healthy? How can they keep their hitters healthy? And it's not necessarily going to be an easy, bite-sized answer for everything. One of the things that's probably a good idea for keeping players healthy is not playing them too much. Not playing them too much. There's six games in in, in a six games games in a series, six games in a week. So a lot of people might be, well, play all the best players in all the games, and uh, is that the best way to do it? Is that the best way to do it? Possibly it might be a better idea to make sure that everyone has rest days, or at least partial rest days, built into their schedule. So James Triantos, maybe this week he plays five games, and then next week he plays six games, but one of them, he's a designated hitter. He's getting rest built into his schedule, keeping him more likely to stay more healthy. Not only that, it allows players who are on the bench to have more opportunities to play, and they can also get better and possibly get that Tampa scout to say, get him. And then it boils to, is our organization better than their organization at internally assessing our own talent? Keep players healthy and properly assess talent. Keep players healthy. Properly assess talent. Keep players healthy. Properly assess talent. I I don't know which players are going to reach their expected career values. I don't know which players are going to exceed their expected career values. And I don't think I'm going to ever figure that out. So I'm going to support the players that are doing their best to become laudable Cubs prospects, whichever whoever they are, whether they're having a good season, whether they're having a bad season, whether they're on such and such a person's top 40 list or not, whether they are a fan graphs, 40 plus, or whether they are unlisted on fan graphs. I want them all to do well. Get me a Dominican Summer League game. I will look at the box score. I will look at the box score. Who had two hits? Which pitcher did well? Get me games. Get me games. I'll pay attention to what happened in the games, whether I was listening whether I'm doing a box score read. Games and practice, games and practice, games and practice, games and practice are where players get better. Keep players healthy. Assess how well they are doing in a fashion that will keep around the players 
that are going to be long-term useful and get better at trading away players who probably aren't going to be as good as some of the more optimistic people might think they will be. Get to boardwalk before anybody else does. Get a couple of color codes. Do the things that are going to be helpful long term. Don't get bogged down in which player would be the coolest to have 43 hits in a row. It's not going to happen. Cubs are not going to run off a 74-game winning streak, no matter how much you want them to. Figure out things that are realistic and reasonable. You may or may not have any control over them, but if the Cubs do things that are realistic and reasonable, that can help improve the organization long-term, those should be things we should want to be happening. What can the Cubs do to better keep players healthy? What can the Cubs do to better assess talent? What can the Cubs do to have a second Arizona Compound League team this cycle? More games, more players being able to play, more players getting able to develop, more opposing scouts being able to see developing players and possibly coming up with their own ideas of how good they are on their own. Generally good things. Now, there will be some injuries if there is another Arizona Compound League team, probably. Do the injuries outweigh players getting better. See, it's not all everything this or everything that. I would rather have a second compound league team. There might be some people who would say, no, that's impossible, or no, that's not a good thing because somebody might get injured. Do the thinking. Do the thinking for yourself. I'd like to see the Cubs better keeping players healthy, better assessing internal talent, and getting a bit better somehow at assessing other teams' talent. Ultimate evil is when a player is unable to get better. If a player isn't good enough to get better enough to make a difference at the major league level, if the Cubs are the first team to pick up on it, you know what that means? Trade bait. Trade bait. If the Cubs are the first team to figure out that, parenthetically, insert player here really isn't going to be all that good, whether he's one of the guys that's on my cool player list or one of the players that's on the list of players who, yeah, I'm really not too sold on him. If the Cubs are under the impression that they're probably better off trading him away. The quicker they can figure that out, probably the better his trade return.
I'm not going to criticize people for coming up with lists that are unreasonable. I'm not going to criticize them for it. I am going to say, however, there are things that are possibly a bit more realistic, that possibly might be more long-term useful, and I'm a bit more interested in those things than sometimes I might be in a list. But if you do shoot me a list of stuff that's kind of cool on the Twitters, I will probably retweet it because somebody will get a kick out of it. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great week.